Hey guys, so I know it's been a while since I uploaded anything, and even if you're still listening and not just the four people involved in this, um, we just got really busy with school, but I wanted to put this episode out because I never got around to editing it in the middle of my master's, and I love it, and I really think this movie needs to be talked about and uh, seen, and now that I finally had some time to like take a breath, I decided that I was going to have some wine and edit, so... Please enjoy this episode, this lost episode, and let us know if you'd like us to continue. We are a bit more spread out because that's how life just happens, but maybe we can start this whole thing up again. So um, just let us know and enjoy the lost episode pieces. Spanish stuff. I don't know. Spain, this place. It's got a Catalonia. It's having some problems right now. Uh, There's the Basque Country. What else? Uh, Spain. You know, like, isn't Galicia or whatever? They've got a cool flag, I think. Yeah. (laughs) Just go with it now. I don't really know much about Spain, to be honest. Most dictator for a long time. What I know about Spain is from Cheetah Girls 2, When in Spain. (laughs) Oh, yeah. What is Cheetah Girls? It's a Disney Channel original movie franchise starring Raven Simone. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking more like, you know, Cinemax late night movie, but. Uh, yeah. No, they like went to Barcelona on tour, was it? Or they just go to. Barcelona. 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 Excuse <laughs> <laughs> <Give> me. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's pretty yeah. much the extent of my knowledge on Spain. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's uh, embarrassing. The Franco dictatorship. Oh, don't they have a good Spanish football Republic. team? Like soccer football, not American football. Yeah, Barcelona, right? Hans Labyrinth was based there. Yeah. <laughs> During the uh, Spanish Civil War. Oh. Yeah. It's in Europe. <laughs> <laughs> it starts with an S. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I guess. <laughs> uh, why we're talking about Spain is because we're going to talk about Pieces, which is a 1982 Spanish horror movie that I will let Kayvon introduce because he knows way more about it than I do. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know that much about it. Well, it was your, uh, it was your pick for the, your favorite horror movie. <laughs> yeah, term. I mean, I just, I love this movie. It's, um, just an absolutely bizarre, weird train wreck of a film with, uh, Christopher George and Linda Day from, um, Love Boat. And, uh, yeah, it just... It wouldn't be it's taken a, seriously as serious actors <laughs> yeah, in foreign this films. Was, this was their, like, breakout foreign art picture. Um, <laughs> yeah, music by Cam. Very important to point out. Just Cam. Uh, just Cam. Nothing else is born Cam. No first name, no last name, just Cam. Like the Madonna. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, sort of a Spanish Madonna, I would imagine. Oh, um, Yeah. Uh, it's from like what 1980 something. Two two. Yeah. So the so the thing the tagline on it or whatever on IMDb <laughs> is, young coeds are being dismembered by a mysterious murderer on a college campus. The camper is the the camper, the killer is attempting to put together a human jigsaw puzzle made from body parts. And that's it. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, we can start the synopsis and let me pull up the actual, like, synopsis so if we get off track trying to remember all the shit that happens and goes down in this, we can we come can, back around. We can, um, we can keep the synopsis, like, uh, under 15 minutes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> major plot points. <laughs> Puzzle. Puzzle. <laughs> Spanish people. Mom. Yeah. Uh, okay. Kid chops mom in the head. Wait, wait, wait okay, so. He's taking his puzzle. In 1942. <laughs> Sorry. In 1942. A 10-year-old. wants you to think it's Boston yeah, also. Yeah. Uh, a 10-year-old boy named Timmy plays a jigsaw puzzle of a nude woman when his mother walks in and chastises him for it. I think... I saw on Google it said she comes in and represses him for it, which I like a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and there's, like, a, the whole thing where she, like, talks about how his dad's, like, going off to the Air Force and is, like, a like a whorehound or something, and she's, like, super pissed or she's worried your son's going to turn into, like, a degenerate, like his father. Because the it's um, of a nude woman, and that just leads down the path of trouble. Yeah, of course. So, like, long story short, he gets pissed and gets an axe and, like, basically dismembers her. Yep. He um, after she orders him to get a plastic bag over oh, throwing it away, uh, he returns with an axe and murders her. Yeah. Yeah, I mean so and then yeah, basically just like pretends it was some guy and then the movie fast forwards to Boston in like the nineteen in like nineteen eighty two, so like forty years later. And there's like a completely nonsensical scene where this gal's like riding down the street on her skateboard and then like crashes into a mirror piece of glass or something oh, yeah. and that's never revisited again. yeah that was weird that yeah was... the mirror broke and it was like pieces of her you know right it's like a metaphor <laughs> <laughs> it's a visual she metaphor. Right. decapitated with a chainsaw by the unidentified killer what? No, no, that's, that's somebody one. else. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. uh, oh sorry. I yeah, yeah, yeah. forgot. We're not well, that's the next, like, basically the next scene anyway. Like, cuts to college campus and, like, this gal gets her head chopped off with a, another gal who's just, like, reading, gets her head chopped off with a chainsaw. Wait, what were they doing? Where were they when they got their heads chopped off? She was outdoors. Yeah, she was, she was like, like, on the grass. Oh, yeah. On the lawn. Just kind of hanging out studying. Studying. Yeah. Like they do in the college up. brochures, but never in real life. Yeah. It's not as easy to study outside as it looks. No. There's always bugs hopping at you. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so first, yeah, that's the first yeah. murder on the campus. And he yeah. steals her head just before Lieutenant Bracken and his par- partner, Sergeant Holden, arrive to investigate the murder. Holden... Lieutenant Bracken being played by uh, Christopher George, I should point out, from, from Love Boat. So they talk to the campus's dean, who says there were no witnesses or suspect. And the dean asks the rare, sinister Professor Brown, Jack Taylor, who teaches anatomy, to show the detectives around. Yeah. Where was the creepy janitor? Oh, here. No, he's he comes in. Janitor. He comes in later. You see him, like, throwing his chainsaw later, and it's, like, the exact same chainsaw that was used to decapitate the gal. But yeah, there's that, like, ridiculous scene with, like, um, the, all the students are like kind of laughing about, like, the new waterbed, and one gal is like, the best thing in life is smoking pot. And fucking on a waterbed. <laughs> and then, uh, the, like, professor, the anat- anatomy professor shows up, and she goes over and asks him, like, what where her pectorals are. Oh, um, yeah. Because they all think he's, like, super hot for some reason. <sighs> yeah, he's, and he's not. He's I got mean. a creepy mustache. Yeah, like a bad, like, Everyone in the 80s, style, like, had a like weird thing for mediocre-looking kind of. older white men. <laughs> yeah, 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 it was, like, a thing with, um, yeah, what's Mel <clears throat> from, uh, um, oh, wow. Sleepaway Camp. Sleepaway Camp. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, and so, like, he kind of takes the cops around, whatever, 
um, and then fast forward to like the later that night or the next night or something, and some gal who's supposed to meet, um, or the, we get introduced kind of the main character in the movie, that kid Kendall. Mm -hmm. Is that um, the boy? Yeah. Hot, the hot uh -huh. rub. Yeah, he's oh, got Oh yeah, the, we dick. see Dick in the movie. This is the first movie. Really? Is this really the first movie? No, that, that we've watched in. <laughs> Settle down, guys. The first movie ever <laughs> that had a dick in it. That we've There's watched never been a dick for the show. I thought Sleepaway Camp had Yeah. Oh, wait, shit. All right, the well, second one. Well, it had like some serious There was like, one dick, dick at the line. end, yeah. and there was a lot of like dicks and tight pants. Yeah. But there was definitely a dick at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, sure. Sorry, this is only so, the second dick we've seen on yeah, this podcast. Dick number two, indeed. <laughs> okay. um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, so basically, long story short, he's supposed to meet this gal at a girl at a. <laughs> 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 yep. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> so, like, yeah, he's supposed to meet this gal at the like pool. We're gonna rank the, the movies pool. now by which one's like the best. The best, the most dick. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, yeah. Okay. They have a dickometer. <laughs> this movie is only two dicks on the dickometer. Um, yeah. So she goes to this pool where she's supposed to meet like the kind of main character guy, and winds up getting hacked up for barbecue. Also, the killer takes her torso this time. So it's head in the first victim, torso this time. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wait. Uh, outside the groundskeeper. We we talk about this part. Yeah. He comes in the okay. minute. Um, oh, so sorry. She gets she gets she gets chopped up, hacked up for barbecue, and then the, the um, groundskeeper comes in after that. And then, like, flips the lights on, looks around, like, finds, first he sees the bloody chainsaw that he goes over and he, like, picks up and looks at, and it's like, he's like, oh, it's, like, covered in blood, and then he turns around and he's like, oh, here's a dismembered pile of person over here, and realizes he probably should get the fuck out. He goes to leave, the cops show up, he gets into a fight with the cops, yada yada. Um, yeah. He's also a very large man. The groundskeeper. Yeah, yeah, and his name's Willard. Willard. Not Willard, but like, yeah, you know, like literally everyone just calls him Willard. Um, it's like, you know, there's, there's the dean who's like, oh, Willard, Willard. Willard. That's just his accent, though. Yeah, but then other people call him Willard, too, oh, though. Um, yeah, the dean's just the most egregious. Okay. So, um, yeah, and then, uh, you know, I don't know how thoroughly do we want to be here keep going well, then we meet what's her face from love boat right yeah she shows up eventually yeah mary riggs they want her to help because she's good at tennis <laughs> <laughs> so and kind of hot she's she's a, a tennis superstar who's now turned into a detective right. because for some reason i don't know her tennis career didn't work out or something it's right. not very clear but now she's a detective but she's getting really upset because because she's a woman and they keep giving her all this like boring fucking desk work to do and so the opportunity arises for her to like go undercover at the university college or at the college campus sorry um <laughs> as the new tennis coach and it's she, like... she jumps at the opportunity because people are being murdered and she would much rather be on a fucking campus where like women are being dismembered than be stuck in the office with big dick kendall with big, yeah well and big <laughs> dick kendall's on, on, on campus university with big dick kendall, yeah. <laughs> but also like that's just isn't it just good police work to be like maybe we shouldn't put the celebrity undercover like <laughs> as herself as, yeah right. in a position where she's teaching college students tennis so they're obviously invested in the sport and would know if she's said world champion right well maybe it's the perfect cover it is yeah, she's a world champion <laughs> right. I agree. she's believable as a professor I thought they were going to give her a new name and just be like oh no this is <laughs> no, she's famous like everyone knows who she looks like yeah but it's just like oh like, what are you doing now Sisters, oh. like went undercover at CU and was like, "Oh, hey, I'm I'm not Serena Williams, I promise." <laughs> it's like, 
I'm just like, weren't you a detective? We saw you. We ele- did we elect you to detective a few years ago at the city council meeting? <laughs> I don't um, know how that works, but... Most of her detective work, though, is, is pretty shoddy because, like, she just plays a lot of tennis with yeah. students and then, I don't know, kind of walks around. around at night. She talks to Maybe Big Dick Kendall. She gets mm-hmm. desk work because she's just really bad at her job. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not clear how you transition from professional tennis player to detective anyway. Like, I don't know how... College. Yeah. yeah. There's an online know. degree. Okay. Mm. Gotcha. <laughs> just go on. Do some <laughs> questions. Okay. Uh, so yes, and then we mean. So who's the next? Of course. Who's the next one to? Well, so then, like, fast forward to like that night that she gets to the campus and is like, "Oh, I'm your new tennis coach," and um, remember Kendall's and this is where we see Kendall's dick. And it is. I mean, he's girthy and yeah, no, it's nice. That's good. He's got a he's got a dong. I couldn't I couldn't really tell, but fair enough. This has been Dick Review Corner with mm-hmm. K-Pod and Jeff. We'll, we'll have the dickometer um, up on the on the uh, SoundCloud here for the next episode, promise. But, uh, yeah, so he's, like, banging that girl who's making all the noise. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Jesus Christ, quiet down. Ah. He's, like, super mean to her because she's just, like, loud. He's like, yeah. Ah, yeah. Ah, yeah. Ah. I mean, it's like, so you have to remember with this movie, too, I'm sure, I hope all of you at home have seen it, but um, it's... It's Spanish, so like there's only like two or three American actors in the whole thing, and everyone else is dubbed over. So she's dubbed over with like just the most obnoxious nasal sounding like ladies. It's like, oh, Kendall, <laughs> come back to men, Kendall. If you can get me, I'll be quiet this time. <laughs> like, it's fucking terrible. Well, yeah, didn't she say like you can gag me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I'll be quiet this time, I promise. Oh, you can gag me. <laughs> And it, oh, it's, yeah, he could. And he's just yeah. like, shut up, bitch. I think the tennis player's outside. Yeah, and that's basically, <laughs> as he's standing here, there's like dick fucking hanging out. Just look it out the window, NBD. So yeah, the tennis player's outside. So we go outside to see what she's up to. And she gets like, she's like, you know, like, oh, this is a creepy scene. She hears somebody moving around in the bushes and somebody's running. She kind of like, she's getting ready to like pop around the corner and surprise this like random person. And as she does, like, a guy that looks like Bruce Lee kicks the handgun out of her, the gun that she's got out of her hand, and then just, like, beats the shit out of her with kung fu out of nowhere. And then, like, he's, like, leery. He's, like, standing over top of her, looming over top of her, whatever, and just, like, collapses to the ground. Well, doesn't Kendall drive up on his motorcycle? After he collapses to the ground. And then, like, Kendall pulls up, and then, like, he's like, oh, it's my kung fu professor, Chow. (laughs) And then he stands up, and he... I won't do the accent because it's um it's also it's done really bad. It's, it's pretty unacceptable. <laughs> but he just basically says he was out jogging around. I mean, like I've got it memorized. I've seen this movie enough times. He was out jogging around, and the next thing he knew, he was on the ground. It must have been something he ate. Bad chop suey. And then he says so long, but he says so wrong. And then runs off into the like night, and you just like exit the scene, and you never see him again. Wait, okay, I forgot to start, but like. Kendall goes to the station because he thinks he can help profile the murderer. Is it because he's everyone, like, all the girls he's fucked is getting killed? I have no. It's just, like, so, like, throughout the entire film, the cops just think he's, like, the coolest fucking dude on earth. I thought, like, that was his move to try and, like, move in on the police lady. Like, hey, I might have some information. No, that doesn't come till like, mm. later. That comes, uh, that, that after the scene we're talking about. Because isn't it the dean and the, the biology professor who initially suggest Kendall as, like, Someone that the police should talk to because he knows every kid on campus. Yeah, because he's like big mm. dick on campus. So, right. um, but no, it's just like Christopher George out of nowhere just like takes a shine to him. Like at one point, he's like, 
I barely know you, Kendall, but I trust you. I don't know what it is, but there's just something about you. <laughs> it's just like, man. This is a very convenient plot point, Kendall. You need to be here right now, so we're going to trust you with our lives. <laughs> Which is basically what it is. I mean, like, at the end of the movie, like, when they're going to get the killer, and the other cop, the one that looks like a Spanish Leslie Nielsen, he does. He yeah. looks like a, like a Mediterranean Leslie Nielsen. Um... He's just like, oh, you know, wait here, Kendall. It's going to be dangerous. And he's like, what am I? Who am I kidding? Come on, Kendall. I need you. And it's just like, wait, what? He's like some, like, 19-year-old college kid. Why are you bringing him along on all your police capers? Yeah. Oh, and then um, did we talk about the reporter dying? Or, wait. She dies after the, uh, God, I have seen this movie a lot. He's she dies after um, the whole kung fu scene. Oh, okay. Because then Kendall takes um, Linda George home. I think we skipped a murder in here somewhere. Yeah, we might. Linda Day. He takes Linda Doesn't Day home. Doesn't the loud girl die? Yeah, she gets like stabbed on a waterbed. Oh, yeah. But that's, 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 the, that's the journalist. Oh, okay. She's stinking around. She gets stabbed to death. You see? I thought it was like the loud girl who got killed. Hmm. I don't think she gets killed. The, I, don't think we, I don't know if we see her again, yeah. The dance, yeah, I think she's gone after that. The dance girl gets um, her arms. Like, remember, there's like a whole subplot while this is all going on. There's a whole subplot where... Um, you know, with the um, aerobic stancers or whatever they oh, are. Right. You know, all the women in like leggings and um, what do you call those unitards? Yeah, uh, some of them have leotards. Some of them, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, got leg warmers, stockings, and stuff. Yeah, whatever. It's like super eighties, like basically aerobic dance, dance class kind of thing. And then you know, one of those <clears throat> gals gets her arms chopped off on the uh, elevator. Right. Cause she uh, and he gets because the killer gets on the elevator with her and he's got his chainsaw behind his back and she somehow doesn't notice. I mean, it's a serious like four foot long like proper chainsaw, and she doesn't notice. And I think that's when they agree to get the cop to come to the school. Yeah, it says before Kendall and the police arrive, so he's just kind of in the know. Which if he was the killer, would be really. Yeah. Well, I think he like I think he hears like the screams and goes running over um, from wherever he is mm-hmm. on campus. He just like happens to be there, conveniently for the plot of the film. And then speaking of waterbeds that we were talking about like five hours ago, um, then the killer also stalks still Sylvia, mm-hmm. and she gets stabbed on a waterbed. It's like a school waterbed though in. What, some sort of, like, weird recreational spa area? Yeah, I don't know. they put it in the gym or whatever. Yeah. There's, like, randomly a room with a waterbed in the gym now, because... So you know. The students have to fucking smoke pot somewhere. Was she the guy who was in the shower? No, the journalist was the... This the journalist from the beginning. She just sticks her head in it one scene. Uh, the movie doesn't really, like, bother developing characters very much. She's like, here's a character, and you may or may not see them again. Yeah, like, she's just brought up in the paragraph before where it's like, as a reporter named Sylvia Costa is stonewalled by Bracken, the killer stalks another girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just like she pops up once, and then she's, like, snooping around at night. Because um, she's right near where the kung fu professor's at. Okay. What, that scene... Okay. Yeah, where the whole like kung fu battle happens, and okay. then like right after that scene, she gets murdered. Okay. And uh, she's like, you know, peeking around trying to snoop around campus and find so some we, shit out. So we've got a body count of decapitated gal, torso gal, arm gal, gets her arms chopped off, dancer arms, arm dancer. and then just journalist. She just she gets just killed, dies, but no one. Yeah. He doesn't. He stabs her any, like, through the back parts. of the head. Oh, that's right. And then she's I too her. Yeah. <laughs> that's mean. He doesn't want her. He doesn't want her legs. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he, uh, I mean, yeah, I don't think, it was like the one unplanned one, because I think he was trying to get, um, Linda Day, because mm. he's stalking her at the same time that all happened. not too old. Not too old. 
Well, Despite she's a professional tennis player. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's got good feet. Um, yeah, they're known for their feet. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite part of that movie. Or one of my. There's just too many fucking wonderful parts in that film. But when um, he takes Linda Day back after she gets assaulted by the kung fu professor back to her dorm or room or wherever she wherever she's staying. Yeah. And he's like, oh, oh, Mary, do you, do you, you want to? And he's like, just like panting really hard. He's just like, do you, do you, you want to? Uh, uh, have some coffee and she's like uh no <laughs> it's like maybe some other time and just like shuts the door doesn't on she me. give him a kiss on the cheek though? yeah she like kisses him on the it's just like total like oh dear you're cute get the fuck out of here kind yeah. of yeah so she like shuts the door on him and he turns around and his buddy poindexter's there with that like ridiculous oh, yeah. mask and she's like and it, like scares the shit out of him and then he takes the mask off and he's like oh casanova and then just wanders off. It's weird. It Never makes no sense. No, there's no reason why that happens in that scene. Yeah, it's fucking fantastic. But it's great. Yeah. All right. What <laughs> happens after Poindexter? Um. Um. Tennis gal gets her legs chopped off. Yeah. One of Mary's tennis students heads into the locker room after the killer turns oh. on music and the loudspeakers and is pursued until she meets her demise and having her waist sawed horizontally. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then, and then, like another one of the best scenes in the film happens. She's like, there's like music playing really loud, like this, like awful, like tennis, like you know, oompa march. <laughs> and um, so they like, you know, what's her name, Linda Day and Kendall, like break in to shut down the music. And then like they go in and see the body, right. and Linda Day comes outside. She's just like, while we were out here fooling around, the lousy <laughs> bastard was in there killing her. The bastard. Clip is on YouTube. It's just like pieces, bastard. Watch it. It's fantastic. So good. You should have seen this movie by now. Also, so. Kendall's still trying to make the moves on her after that. Right, right. Um, oh, man. Inappropriate Kendall. God. <laughs> Whoever did the voiceover for him is fantastic, dude. Because when he comes out of the bathroom after seeing her chopped in half, he's just like, uh, 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 did, did, you, did you see it? <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Amazing. Um, yeah. All my years of prof- as a professional, world-renowned tennis player could not have readied me for what was lying in that waiting room. <laughs> right. right. um, and then there's just like a really like unnecessarily lengthy point where they're like he's like down in the basement with like Spanish Leslie Nielsen, Kendall is at the basement of the police station, trying to figure out who the killer is and like some old records randomly. And it's not really ever explained how exactly like they find something. And they, like, call over to somewhere else. It's not really well explained. And then you find out that, like, oh, the dean of the school, like, his mother was, like, chopped to bits when he was a kid. Oh, it must be him. Oh, yeah. And, like, intermittently, each time we get a new body part, you see hands putting the puzzle pieces together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No puzzle from the beginning. Yep. They spend hours researching files in the faculty and discover that the dean previously changed his name and that his mother was brutally murdered, finding out the dean's identity is to be grown up. Timmy. Yep. Because of course his name's Timmy. Um, At the same <laughs> time, though, this might be a little bit before we find out that it's probably the Dean. Um, but when you see the killer trying to put his mother's shoes on um, oh, yeah. the tennis player's feet, oh, like, yeah. the, the what's left of her torso, I mean her like lower half, he's trying to put the shoes on her feet and they're not going on. Like her feet obviously a little bit too big, you know. So he's gonna need another pair of legs. Um, mm-hmm. And then, do you want to? Oh yeah, so Linda Day thinks it'll be 
as part of her like investigatorial duties, which mostly to this point have just consisted of wandering around the campus at night. <laughs> goes to the dean's apartment to like interview him about God knows what. She doesn't think he's a suspect. Alone. Yeah, alone, like seven o'clock at night. She comes by. So um, why do you guys out. always give me desk work? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like. Because all you do to investigate is, like, talk to people who've already been interviewed and wander around this campus at night. Um, but, yeah, so, like, the dean drugs her um, with the express intent of basically chopping her feet off or her legs. I'm never really, I mean, like, is it, I always wonder, like, is he just going to get a different pair of feet and sew them onto the legs he's already got? Or it wasn't he... Cleo. That's just extra work. Like, yeah, right. You you kill you have one dead girl like and you make your like zombie woman. And you have like just just one other dead girl that didn't have to die. It's like meh. Right. Look what you gained. <laughs> Better legs. Mother's issue solved. Sorted. Yeah. Yo. Um. So yeah, Linda Day's dragged. It's like a slow paralysis type drug where she's like lying on the couch, frozen, looking up at him right. in terror. Maybe. She realizes that he's the killer. Um, mm-hmm. And then. She will. She like just look on her face. It's like, like Oscar caliber acting. It's fantastic the way that she looks. But uh, yeah, and then so the police show up just in time. Um, he's like vanished into like behind a curtain, which they don't think to check. So they run out like thinking he's like fled the scene. Mm-hmm. And Kendall sticks around like trying to help um, Linda Day out, and uh, you know out springs old Timmy from the. Uh, curtain that he was hiding behind it was like super obvious too because like the curtain's fluttering like it's vaguely man-shaped like there's clearly a person in there it's like there's clearly a person in this it's like just look um but yeah so uh you know he jumps out there's a struggle with kendall the police come back just in time to shoot old timmy in the head and um the end except then we cut to dun, dun, dun. A, another ending. Oh, I have a recording of that ending, too. <laughs> oh, do you? Yeah, because you told me to play it, remember? Oh. Oh, uh, did you? Yeah, so. Oh. Yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, I thought it was my job to record, and then I forgot to. No, you just told me to, and I did Okay, it, great. So. <laughs> something like this real freak join the force kid we're finding out little secrets like that all the time
Smooth over it, kid. Let's go. Hey, my jacket. So you think the movie's over when Timmy gets shot in the head, but then you know cuts forward to like a later scene where like Kendall and the, the and the and Spanish Leslie Nielsen are like hanging out in the Dean's apartment talking, and they're like, "Oh, look at this like puzzle of like a naked woman he's got." And he's like, "Yeah, the Dean was a real freak. I never thought he could collect something like that. Like, what a fucking weirdo for having a puzzle of a naked woman. That's like totally unheard of." Yep. Um, and then like. They're getting ready to leave, and Spanish Leslie Nielsen puts his hand on a, uh, like, bookshelf that swings around, and the corpse that the Dean's been assembling the whole time is behind it and comes, like, flying out and lands on Kendall, who then, like, screams for ever, it feels like. I mean, he just goes well, on and on. He's got, like, like, a weird kind of sewn-together corpse on him. Fair enough. It's I pretty mean, gross. Probably would have, yeah, fair enough. Um, so then the movie ends. And then it comes back once again. <laughs> and you're sitting back in the same room. <laughs> Corpses on the floor. Um, they've thrown like a blanket over. Kendall's, Kendall's like finally gotten over his shock. And they're on their way out. And he goes back to get his jacket. And he's like kind of standing over the corpse. And then out of nowhere, the corpse's arm comes up. And she like grabs him by the crotch. And just like, starts squeezing. Like nails dig in. Yeah. And there's like <laughs> blood and goop and shit. <laughs> you definitely see her like his testicles. Like she, because he rips away it, his like testicles pop out. And she pushes yeah, in yeah. Her hand and stuff. <laughs> it just comes out of fucking nowhere. Yeah, it says that she castrates him as he screams. Yeah, and then the movie actually ends for real this time. We promise. And then that great music from Cam comes in. Music by Cam. Yeah, Maybe important. she did it because she was offended because he just screamed when she fell on top of him. <laughs> she was like, but it doesn't make any sense because there's like nothing supernatural in this film, or nothing that would indicate that like the film is that the, the corpse is going to be reanimated or like is zombie-like in any way. It's just totally, totally random. Thing it's it's a morality order. play. At the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I don't know. Is this like a metaphor for feminism and men's rights? Um, like the reanimated corpse of, you know, post-feminism is going to rip your balls off. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I'm fairly certain that's what this movie was trying to get at. Serious gender commentary. Yeah. Very much so. Very serious. Very serious. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And thus ends like what I think is like one of the most bizarre and just like oddly put together horror films ever made. Yeah. With the tagline, it is exactly what you think it is. Yeah. It's a good tagline. Yeah. <laughs> High points? Um, All of them. Well, you've already mentioned the scene in the beginning where the students are talking about smoking pot and fucking on a waterbed. That's pretty funny. And then someone gets killed on a waterbed. Yeah. She, um, they get penetrated to death on a waterbed. And she does. Which the blood and water part was just like, Ugh, I don't yeah, know. It it, it's, it's icky. Yeah. Also, on top of the stabbing, it's just the mixing and the. Yeah. Yeah, that's like definitely the, I think, the most brutal murder scene in that. Like, all the rest of them are kind of ridiculous or stupid or like. Well, that was also, it's in like slow mo. Don't they like slow mm -hmm. it down so you really like 
This is like long drawn out, like multiple stabbing on a waterbed. She tries really hard to get away. Yeah. Yeah. There's an extended fight. Yeah. Pretty grim. Yeah, it's pretty savage. Trying to think what else is. I really love the scene where he gets on the like the dean when he before you know it's him like gets on the elevator with that gal and he's got the chainsaw behind his back. I mean it's literally I mean like the elevator first off it's like a really old timey elevator so it's like maybe like four foot by four foot like two people max. And he's very obviously got this chainsaw behind him, like, sticking up, like, over the back of his head. Must be, and, yeah. Uh, and, like, she's just like, oh, it's you, sir. How are you? And, like, he just gets on the elevator, NBD, and then she, he, like, pulls it out, like, whips it out of nowhere. She's like, oh, my God, it's you! And then he, like, chainsaws her to death. Chainsaws her arms off. Yeah. And the arms, like, go flying, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, like, very obviously fake arms that are, like, stuck out, and he, like, chops one, and it just, like, goes sailing end over end, like, out That's of, like... That's just careless, because if you don't camera. cut it where the shoulder joint is, then how are you going to... Exactly. I mean, I mean, it was very sloppy. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's the thing. It's like you're trying to reconstruct people and you're like dismembering. If you're going to be a serial sauce. killer, at least be fucking good at it. Right? Like, right? Sorry. Don't be good at it. Be bad at it. <laughs> Just don't be it. Just don't, don't do be that. it. Yeah, yeah, don't do that. Don't, don't do that. That's a bad thing to do. Um. <laughs> Any favorite scenes for you, Jeff? I mean, Big Dick Kendall's Big Dick. <laughs> I kind of like that scene as well, just because it's so ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> come back to bed, Kendall. Do you think he wanted to do it, or did they push him to do it? The actor. I don't know. I think it was like Europe in the eighties. No one <laughs> gave two fucking shits about whether his dick was going to be on screen or not. Like it probably wasn't even a question. It's just like he's not even eighteen. Uh, you're having sex with this woman in a bed. She's being really loud, and that annoys you for some reason. Um, <laughs> And so you're going to just get out of bed and unlike Hollywood, we're not going to like make her wear a bra or make you have sex in your underpants. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's like a Hugh Jackman quote about that. He said like, well, we're not, in Australia, like if we're having sex with a pretty girl, we don't put our underwear back on. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, so like he, he, like, that he like lobbied to have his ass showing in the X-Men movies because of that. <laughs> Go Hugh Jackman. Well done. And I'm sure Ian Sarah, who played Kendall, probably did the same thing. Okay. Hmm. Don't be such prudes, Americans. <laughs> that was not a Spanish accent. I, <laughs> I don't know what a Spanish accent would sound like, but that's not it. That was very funny. Sorry. I apologize. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> you sounded like a Bond villain. <laughs> <laughs> Just one last like honorable mention. I don't know why, but I kind of like the dance scene, even though the dance they do is just like so banal. But like one and a two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and then they like do that thing where they flick their legs in the air and then like roll over on the ground and like. Well, doesn't the teacher? Is she was this the one where she had on like the really high boots? She like, no, she had. Or something? So she, from my previous dance experience. um She's wearing like a leotard with stockings, but then she has like thigh high leg warmers. Okay. So they come up, and because of the kind of dance they're doing, they're all wearing like these little like court shoe, high heel type shoes. Um, so I don't know, it's just funny because. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Something about that is just, it's so like magical and stupid at the same time. <laughs> I love that scene. It's just so obviously shoehorned into the film. Yeah. Because like that gal doesn't even get, she gets killed like two or three scenes later. 
after this, like, not in this class. She's in the same building, but, like, they could have just had that scene. Like, it's just totally superfluous, shoehorned in. Like, here's some ladies in leg warmers in case you wanted to watch this. Some attractive ladies. <laughs> yeah. I must say this, because um, maybe, again, this is, like, a European thing, but, um, and this is not a favorite scene. It actually, it's, it's kind of, like, probably a irritating scene is where um, the gal who dies in the swimming pool or near the swimming pool like she's there alone she's waiting for Kendall she's giving him a note to say like I want to fuck in the swimming pool come do it dude um, but she's there all alone but she still like dresses undresses very sexily like oh, right, and there's like right, music right. playing and she's like rolling down her jeans but before she's taken her like ankle boots off and I was like bitch you want to fall on your ass like no one does that <laughs> she's like, that's a bad idea <laughs> Head on the side of the pool she is setting a mood because she knows that Kendall doesn't do foreplay. He's very disappointing in bed, as we have seen. <laughs> <laughs> so she's like, I have to do this shit myself because he's as a, he is a disappointing wife. Like, why did she invite him to the pool to fuck her in the first place? Maybe it was finals and she was stressed. I don't know. <laughs> also, that shit washes away all lubrication. Like, it's probably not a good idea. Anyway, I'm sorry. Um, no. But yeah, and so during that scene also, if you remember, so she's swimming around in the pool, and then yes! the killer comes over with, like, the pearl skimmer and just, like, nets her head. Oh, right. She's <laughs> she like, out. swim down, like, yeah. swim away, do something. Like, she, head stuck in a pool she's the most useless victim of them all. So, like, I don't know if anyone else thinks about this or if it's just me being a theater nerd, but there's this part in Fan of the Opera where they keep saying, like, keep your hand at the level of your eyes, so it's like, you can't get a noose around your neck. Uh, like, or you can't get a rope around your neck. So I always think that whenever I see a horror movie where it's like the dominating thing is like strangulation, I'm just like, bitch, eyes, like keep the hand, the eyes. <laughs> she well, could, and she could have easily just like pushed it off too. Yeah, like, there was it's room. a yeah. pool skimmer. It's not like, like any, anyone trip. who's ever had to skim a pool will know that it's not actually the most manageable instrument. Yeah. Even if you're strong, like. The, it, it's like a long wobbly pole with a net on the end it's yeah. not exactly like a weapon of again a lot of dicks in this movie <laughs> <laughs> amazing yeah, that would be oh, yeah and then he gets her out of the pool and she like lays there panting he hasn't done anything to her aside from like pool skimmer and like she's just like laying there like leaning up against some column she's like ah, with her ah, breasts just like very photogenically like yeah. laid yeah. Yeah, for like, I mean, a solid 20 seconds before he even starts the chainsaw. And she's just like, oh, don't hurt me. And then he chainsaws the shit. I'm out just so like, put out by that pool netting. Yeah, it just like really took yeah. it out of her. I mean, that's so, a general complaint with like a lot of horror movies where like people just don't fight back enough. And I think that's died out, but you definitely see it like this kind of 80s slasher thing where like bare-chested women are literally just there to be bare-chested women who get fucking <laughs> decapitated or stabbed or whatever it is and it's like oh my god i can't believe i'm so pooped after fighting off that net for like two minutes my cardio is shut oh god i'm just gonna lie here oh no <laughs> i have to inflate my breast with each <clears throat> breath <laughs> I love it, like, I love it as part of that scene, too, when Willard, the groundskeeper, comes in and, like, finds the bloody chainsaw and everything. He's trying to leave, and the cops show up, and, like, he gets into that fist fight. He just starts battering all of them, and he's just, like, hulking out, like, throwing Arr, cops into yeah. the pool and, like, smashes two of their heads together, like, throws Kendall halfway across the room. And then only, like, he, like, only stops when, like, Spanish Leslie Nielsen, like, rolls up on him with a gun, like, puts a gun to his head. There may be a historical explanation for why the women are so helpless in this movie. Oh, yeah? Yeah. But I don't know if we want to... Do we have any low points or any more high points we wanted to talk about? Oh, that was a high point. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think. 
Bruce oh, Lee. Oh, Bruce Lee scene, yeah. But. Which mm-hmm. I was actually looking for some trivia, and actually IMDb has way more trivia for this than it did when I first. Oh, I got uh, watched the film. Oh, cool. So just I'll mention then, and we can say the rest of the trivia. But Bruce Lee during the the guy that looks like Bruce Lee during the um, kung fu professor Chuck scene. scene. Yeah. yeah. Um, actually was a Bruce Lee impersonator whose name was Bruce Lee. Like <laughs> L.E. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. So just throwing that one out there. All right. Well. <laughs> I, don't know, I need to make something for that. I'll make an audio thing. Um, so in the 1980s in Spain, it was after the restoration of democracy of the late 1970s, and the changes in everyday Spanish life were as radical as a political transformation. Uh, They're famously known as La Movida, the movement. These changes were even more striking when contrasted to the values and social practices that had prevailed in Spanish society during the Francoist regime, especially during the 1940s and early 1950s. In, in essence, Spanish social values and attitudes were modernized at the same pace and to the same degree as the country's class structure, economic institutions, and political framework. So Spain had previously been under the rule of Francisco Franco, a dominant Spanish social values were st- in dominant sp- Spanish social values were strongly conservative. Both public laws and church regulations enforce a, so- a set of social structures that aimed at preserving the traditional role of the family, distant and foreign formal relations between sexes, and controls over expressions in the press, film, and mass media, as well as over many other important social institutions. By the 1960s, however, social values were changing faster than law and inevitably creating tension between the legal codes and reality. Even the church had begun to move away from its more conservative positions by the latter part of the decade. The government responded haltingly to these changes with some new cabinet appointments and then somewhat softer restrictions on the media. Yet underneath these superficial charges, Spanish society was experiencing wrenching changes and its people became increasingly in contact with the outside world. To some extent, these changes were due to the rural exodus that had uprooted hundreds of thousands of Spaniards and brought them into the new urban social settings. And so they talk especially about like contraception and abortion that just became the ban on contraception um, lifted in 1978. Uh, So yeah, he had banned it through 1975. Um, Don't trust a fasci to give you contraceptives. Yeah. Yeah, during the Francisco Franco years, the ban on the sale of contraceptives was complete and rigid, at least in theory, even though the introduction of the combined oral contraceptive pill had brought contraception to at least a half a million Spanish women by 1975. Hmm. The ban on the sale of contraception was lifted in 1978, but no steps were taken to ensure that they were used safely or effectively. Hmm. Schools offered no sex education courses, and family planning centers existed only where local authorities were willing to pay for them. The consequence of loosening sexual restraints, combined with the high level of ignorance about the technology that could be substituted in their place, was a rise in the number of unwanted pregnancies, which led to a second policy problem, abortion. Illegal abortions were fairly commonplace in Spain, even under dictatorship. A 1974 government report estimated that there were about 300,000 such abortions each year. Subsequently, the number rose to about (laughs) 350,000 annually, which gave Spain one of the highest ratios of abortions to live births among advanced industrial countries. Wow. Um, so, hang on. Are we attributing this, like, political shift to... Hang on. uh, What do you mean? Sorry. Why, what does this have to do with heaving wet boobies? Okay, I'm getting there. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> okay, sorry. I'm going to make the argument. Hold on. Um, okay, so 
Perhaps the most significant change in Spanish social values, however, was the role of women in society, which in turn was related to the nature of the family. Spanish society for centuries had embraced the code of moral values that established stringent sexual standards of conduct for women, but not for men, restricted opportunities for professional careers for women, but, not, but honored their role as wives and most important, mothers, prohibited divorce, contraception, and abortion, but permitted prostitution. After the return of the democracy, the change of the status of women is dramatic. One significant indicator was the changing place of women in the workforce. In the traditional Spanish world, women rarely entered the job market. By the late 1970s, however, 22% of the country's adult women, women, still somewhat fewer than Italy and Ireland, had entered the workforce. By 1984, this figure had increased to 33%, a level not significantly different from Italy or the Netherlands. Women still made up less than one-third the labor, total labor force. However, in some important sectors, such as banking, the figure was closer to one-tenth. And then, so the attitudes about women were changing. Um, in 1983, approximately 46% of Spain's university enrollment was female, the 31st highest percentage in the world, compared and comparable to other European countries. Hmm. Um, so the Spanish law discriminated strongly against married women without her husband's approval, referred to as the permiso marital. <laughs> a woman was prohibited from almost all academic activities, including employment, ownership of property, or even travel away from home. Um, during the Franco years, marriages had to be canonical, that is, performed under Roman Catholic law and regulations, even if one of the partners was Catholic, which meant effectively that all marriage in Spain had to be sanctioned by the church. Um, since the church prohibited divorce, and marriage could be dissolved only through the arduous process of annulment, which was available over a lengthy series of administrative steps, thus accessible to the re- to only to the relatively wealthy and the applicable, and marriage was invalid to begin with. Um, so, not the best time to be a lady in Spain, uh, because you couldn't get divorced, you had to live under your husband's thumb, and uh, there was a... Laws against adultery were finally canceled in 1978. Divorce was legalized in 1981. And the same year, the parts of the civil code that dealt with family finances was also reformed because women couldn't have any control over the money. Hmm. So what my argument was going to be was that it was that (laughs) they're making this movie in 1982, but Mm. it was probably filmed in 1981. That's so few years after this, like, massive cultural change. And so it's like, they're probably like, oh, my God, we can show tits on TV now. (laughs) And they, like, finally are seeing all these, like, really bad American horror movies. And they're like, this is how we need to, like, this, like, and they're showing women having sex because they can finally have sex now and, like, outside of marriage. And so everyone's just kind of, like, horny and just like, yes. And, yeah, I thought that was maybe something that could be done because, like, it is set in a college and there's a ton of girls going to college because Kindle's fucking all of them. Yeah, in fact, like, the majority of the students you meet in this film are women, mm-hmm. uh, which yeah. is really interesting. It's really just, like, Kendall and Poindexter is, like, little friend who just yeah. makes a bunch of off-color comments. Yeah, but then it's, like, that's kind of awesome that, like, this movie was made in 1981, the same year that divorce was finally legalized. And I think that, was a tennis teacher divorced? Mm, I don't, I don't know. Think so. But it's set in America, too. Yeah, it's set True. in Boston. It is kind of... Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's still, like, culturally relevant. Yeah. Definitely. Well, and you have, um... So, like, there are there are some other, like, films made by Spanish filmmakers. I know one one was made in England, because I don't know if that filmmaker could have made it in Franco, Spain in, like, 74. I think it's called The Living Dead at the Manchester Morgue. It's kind of a, like, <laughs> return or, like, Night of the Living Dead sort of knockoff. But it's, it's pretty boss. Um... And I think that's got it's got a few shot, like nudity shots in it and stuff. But I'm trying to remember if um, Amando de Osorio's uh, Tombs of the Blind Dead 
just like a zombie movie from uh, Spain. It's like early 70s, I think, like 72 maybe. Um, but yeah, he, I think I'm trying to remember if that had nudity in it or not, but I guess it wouldn't have if he'd made it in Spain. Yeah, but even though this was like supposed to be set in America, it's still pretty cool. Like Spanish actresses were finally allowed to at least yeah. portray yeah. women yeah. who are like casual sex and going to school, yeah. <laughs> like smoking pot and fucking on waterbeds. Yeah, <laughs> flirting with that teacher who's not attractive, but well, I'm, I'm it's 1981 and I'm living. Well, that's the ridiculous thing though is like people would have been doing that stuff all along. It's just like all of a sudden now you have a legal framework that acknowledges that this shit happens. You know, like that's. That's the fucked up thing. It was the same with, like, apartheid, where abortions were illegal, or miscegenation, you know, i.e., like, interracial, like, marriage relationships were illegal. But, like, people were still fucking doing it. Like, it's just, it has to be underground, or it has to be secretive, it has to be this whole scary thing. Um, So, yeah, it's kind of cool. Maybe that's part of why they were doing it, is, like, the American slasher genre, aesthetic, and also, we can show tits. (laughs) Um, well now I have another historical connection but now I feel like it's falling apart I was going to say that the dean reminded me a lot of Edmund Kemper who was a serial killer in the 70s and he murdered like college co-ed girls just because and like had a thing with their dead bodies uh, because he had mother issues um, he was actually featured, a likely excuse. He's actually featured in Mindhunter, the Netflix show. He's like the mm-hmm. first one they interview. Um, huh. He was just like this hulking guy. He murdered both of his grandparents at the age of fifteen. Uh, he got sent away to a mental institution until he was twenty-one. Then he was deemed sane enough to leave. His mother hated him, and like she, I think one time told him like, "Oh, I haven't had sex in seventh years because of my murdering son." And Ugh. yeah. Um, and his mom used to like make him sleep in the basement as a kid, and he, so he had really bad mom issues. Okay. And then he never like really knew how to talk to women. He was six foot nine, um, yeah. and he uh, his mom just kept telling him like, "You're never gonna have like a lady," and blah blah blah. And he she her his mom wouldn't set him up with any of the girls that she met when because she was working on campus as like a clerk. Oh, okay. Um, and so he just started like. Picking up hitchhiking coeds and killing them and doing things to their bodies afterwards, and then he eventually killed his mother and had sex with his her head. Sounds uh, like he could be an inspiration for the dean. I mean, yeah, that yeah, sounds very probable. Uh, was he and, American? Yeah, that was the thing. Um, but yeah, he was like this crazy, scary person. He, he killed his grandparents at 15. They expunged his record. And then there was a story about him. He had a woman's, a teenage girl's head in his bag when he went into his final psych evaluation for parole at the age of, like, 30. And the fuck? he was, like... And they said, like, he is now, like... Or, no, it was in the his trunk of his car when he went in, and that was the last psych evaluation he had. And they said, we believe that he should have the rest of his record expunged. He is a good person for society. He has no harm to anybody else, and he already killed ten people. Wow. And then he, like, just walked into his apartment with, like, a head in his bag, and was just like, do-do-do-do-do, because his entire, like, mental health record was no longer applicable, like, for his legal relationships with the police. Damn. And he no. also, like, infiltrated the police and was, like, their buddies and, like, get them to be drinking buddies at bars. And the police huh. would, like, tell him stuff about the investigation so he knew how to avoid 
like the areas where they were going to be he, they would just be like yeah we're going to wait for the I don't know why I'm doing the accents they were in California <laughs> like we're going to be like waiting for him at this place and then he would be like oh so I'm just going to go this place or yeah. like it was insane but That's that kind of reminded me of this because like the dean's just like in with the police and mm. has mommy issues and wants to keep all the bodies together so he can do really terrible things to them yeah. and just resents women because you know, whatever sex stuff <laughs> Oh. That's the end of Hannah's History Corner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, is there any kind of readings that y'all would want to do about, or any points you would like to bring up about the film? I mean, it's not... <laughs> I mean, like, there's a lot of really bad movies that you can, like, you know, do, like, really interesting readings of, and, like, you know, we've, we've looked at some movies that are, like, you know, touch on all kinds of really complex issues and do different stuff. I don't know if this is a movie that does that. I mean, there's a certain, you know, hit the like corpse at the end ripping his dick off. Um, is that just European? I don't, or you know, maybe it's like if this is like 1981, this is like a moment when there's all these like big changes for women in Spain, kind of the first like pushing back against like <laughs> give a really the people dicks, right? <laughs> like a really misogynistic culture. So like, you kind of wonder if like. Is that like maybe some kind of commentary and like women are empowered now? Yeah, they're coming for you. You can or like you, after uh, they've been murdered and so yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can keep them down, but they're gonna come back and take your dicks. And so this is the thing. I just don't think like I mean the movie's so fucking incoherent. I yeah, just, like, don't know if yeah, you, you can't can't really, really analyze like, it. If there was some sort of deeper philosophical message there, it's pretty impenetrable it's that you can start over anytime you can go from being a professional tennis player world round winning yeah. championships yeah. and be a detective you can go back to school at the age it. of 35 you can still be have young men be attracted to you and want your coffee mm-hmm. <laughs> she's not 35 in that movie Is she 35 when she goes back to school let's say conservatively oh okay all right for detective okay. stuff okay yeah. How long does it take to be a cop? I, don't know. I have no idea. Six weeks. <laughs> <laughs> as long yeah. as it takes I you to grow out a mustache. <laughs> Actually. Yeah. No, I'm I'm pretty sure it takes like years. Does it really though? I Doesn't mean, isn't Police Academy not that long? <laughs> I feel like it's. I feel like yeah. You don't feel like I think it's an hour and thirty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> There's a video online you have to watch. <laughs> don't shoot black people. <laughs> <laughs> That's not in the video, Jeff. Right. <laughs> they cut the funding. It is now, but it's just one line. Don't please don't shoot black people. We get in trouble when you do. Yeah. Um, we we don't have the resources to cover that you shit all up get anymore. In trouble. <laughs> like, yeah. Um. I think that's probably like about as far as oh oh who what am I thinking? Um, one I think like one of the like really kind of key themes, one of the most important tropes in the film, is this idea that the best thing in life is smoking pot, <laughs> fucking on a waterbed. Why didn't anyone do it in the film? Right. I mean, there was the murder scene. Well, they guess, weren't but... that far in there. You know, social progress that they could show it. They just yeah. could talk about it. Yeah. You know? yeah. They were all lying. They were all still virgins, and they were just being like, "You know what the best thing besides that is?" Just smoking some uh, oregano, like you know. (laughs) Yeah, we hung off the handlebars and kissed. (laughs) That's the real shit, Stacy. Okay, well then. One of the interesting things I thought about this film was uh, that sort of comparison with uh, Sleepaway Camp, where. We have this murder, and this is a common trope, but um, 
you know, it always goes back to sort of the mother or, like, how they were raised mm. and the sort of mother figure not, like, teaching them to be properly sort of heterosexual somehow. Mm. So, like, in this case, you know, that sort of repression then causing him to be a serial killer. Yeah. And in Sleepaway Camp, raising the boy as a girl. Spoilers. Last. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... But yeah, so there's this, I mean, I don't know. It's common in a lot of horror movies, but... Yeah. 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 Part it's, of a larger trend. It's usually mother's Yeah, faults. usually it's the mom's fault. Though Sleepaway Camp, it was, you know, there were the gay dads. Yeah, that's true. Who were kind true. of to that's blame. Right. And then the mom figure, aunt. I'm trying to think about other... Who really fucked it up. Because, like, Psycho is the same thing, right? It's mm-hmm. like... What did his mother do to him, or why? Well, he was just too close with his mother. He was just too close to his mother. So, uh, yeah. She was kind of a bitch, too, right? Like, she would just nag and add him. I love Vera Farmiga, so... Not in Bates Motel, but <laughs> no, in the original kidding. Psycho. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you hear her voice nagging at him, but mm-hmm. I don't know if it's clear whether that's his delusion or actually... I, like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think he's doing the voice, but I'm, like, wondering if it's from a memory that he had of his mom being, like... Probably. Right. Um, trying to think... What other films have? Mommy issues? Yeah. Or just like parent issues in general. Um, Scream has them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Scream? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. watch her mom. Her, her mom was murdered, and then it's mm-hmm. like. Yeah, but that's Sydney's mom that's murdered. Like, right, why but she was sleeping with Skeet Ulrich's dad. Oh, that's right. Okay. And in the second one, isn't it? Isn't Laurie Metcalf the murderer? No, the, like the second mom. one is her half brother. Yeah, and then yeah. the third, the one, third is one is something else. Oh, geez, I, don't I know remember. in one of them it's the, the mom, mom comes back. Yeah, murders. the mom comes back and screams. Or through. one of the original murderers. It may be two. I'm not too I sure. Think it's the fourth one, one, actually. Yeah, I think it's the more the most recent one. What's that? Scraforum. Yeah. I think I watched that movie. I don't remember. There was the insidious one too, where she was the boy was raised as a girl by the mom. Right. Gothic mom. There's Mama, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mother, the stepfather, <laughs> Roger Corman's bloody Mama. There you go. Mm. Uh, it has with kids, but it's the bad seed. I don't know. Mm. It's probably yeah. Uh, yeah. Flowers in the attic. <laughs> <laughs> Hand pedals on the wind. Oh God! What are we gonna watch the third one? Ah, the we have to do an episode on flowers in the attic now. Well, we should finish oh, the whole God. quadrilogy. Yeah, first. I think we should do the quadrilogy. <laughs> oh man. Oh, we'll have to start right. over for Lexi. Oh yeah, God, I don't, I don't want to watch these movies. They're more entertaining than you would think. Okay. Um, yes. Um, what other trivia or oh, okay. questions um, or things do you have for us? So, the look of the killer was based on the comic book character, The Shadow. Not as is often thought in Italian, Giallo cinema. Giallo. Giallo. No. Giallo. Like, Excuse me. <laughs> Someone like to care to enlighten Giallo fans in the house. Yeah. Someone like to enlighten me. <laughs> um, so, Giallo is like a, it's the Italian word for yellow. Um, and uh, so, it was actually, it's a reference to a series of like novels that were popular. Um. Well, they were. It was like when Agatha Christie's novels were printed in Italian. Um, mm-hmm. uh, they were pretty usually printed with these like yellow covers, 
And they would have a picture of like some like deranged like madman looking guy with like crazy hair and like big bugged out eyes and he'd be wearing like black leather gloves and like usually a trench coat, maybe a hat sometimes, like the hat that the killer in pieces wears. And like, you know, big knife menacing some like big breasted woman. And then um in the like nineteen fifty or like nineteen sixties really with like, you know, like people like Mario Baba and then eventually other people, Dario Argento did some um what's his face that did zombie uh, Lucio Fulci and a bunch of other Italian directors start making these kind of like really violent um, horror like murder mystery movies kind of inspired by these like Agatha Christie novels and similar other Jallo novels so that became like kind of Jallo film um, but yeah like Jallo film is like the kind of trademark you think about it in um, a lot of like Argento's movies the killer's like wearing like black leather gloves usually like a trench coat you usually don't see the face carry on a big knife or something and so that's, I mean, like, I find it hard to believe that it's not based on, like, that's it modeled after The Shadow, which I feel like would be more obscure in 1982 than, like, most well, of Argento's, like, best jealous. I really don't see a comparison to The Shadow either. Yeah. I mean, The Shadow, I mean, he wore a hat and a trench coat usually, but, like, he was a good guy. Yeah. Right. He fought crime and he could turn invisible because he learned mind tricks in the Orient. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> well, he wasn't using his powers to decapitate and mutilate women. No. Um, around one hour and one minute, a pig carcass was used for the close-up of the chainsaw cutting through the tennis player. A pig carcass? Goodness me. And the only trailer released, one of the final shots shows the chainsaw killer approaching the camera. As this happens, the same scream from Janet Lee, the scene in Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho, when she gets killed in the shower scene, is used. Oh. Huh. Um, most of the guts and gore were actually internal organs of dead animals, with real blood taken from a slaughterhouse. Cool. That's, that's dedication. <laughs> The, re- the killing of the reporter was difficult to shoot because a real knife was used, albeit nobody got hurt. Juan was a little bit worried, but it was Juan is the director, um, oh. but it was Juan was worried. I thought you said Juan. Juan would be worried, worried in this situation. <laughs> Brandishing a real knife above you on a waterbed. Um, but it was the editing and post production which made the scene so brutal. The actress couldn't take the scene at the premiere of the movie. She left the auditorium when her death came on screen. Mm. Um, Fair enough. The entire movie was shot in Madrid, nothing in Boston because there was no budget for second units. Some USA locations were recycled from Supersonic Man stock footage, another movie that Juan had directed. Oh, wow. Um, Filming commenced in the winter of 1981. The pool scene had the actress literally swim in freezing cold water, and she almost froze to death as a result. Amazing. Well, no wonder she's so fucking limp when she gets out of the pool. She's <laughs> fucking numb. She can't even move. Now that explains everything. I feel terrible for bitching about her. Uh, she's like barely able to swim, let alone yeah. like fight back. Poor thing. Uh, according to Juan, he owns the jigsaw puzzle used in the f- film, as shown in a DVD extra where he's reviewing his posters for the film. Huh. Uh, at various times, there was an interest in doing a sequel for the following f- for the. F- following the film's financial success in the United States and Spain, but it was Juan who had already involved... But this is really written strange. But it was Juan that had already been involved in another project and tried to get a sequel started years later, but couldn't. With show business, the American producers soon forgot the idea, despite the success of the box office. Hmm. Uh, Before working on the movie, Juan 
first received a 30-page treatment of Jigsaw, which was supposed to be a made-for-TV movie. He took the basic idea and wrote the screenplay. That's kind of a dick move. Uh, (laughs) Limiting only the the budget possibilities. During the shooting, dialogue and scene were improvised because the screenplay was far too short, and one also wanted to improve the story to take advantage of some locations. Uh, (laughs) I love this one. Some of the actors in this film worked again. (laughs) (laughs) That's That's great trivia. But only a few. Uh, before the fifth victim gets killed, she's so terrified that she visibly urinates her sweatpants. Oh, yeah, that's, that's right. This happens for real on set from a real chainsaw being wielded a few centimeters away from the actress. Oh, my God. One, like the reaction that the girl expressed and left the accident in the final film. Holy shit. <laughs> what a dick. That's awful. <laughs> oh, my God. Um... After the second victim is killed in the swimming pool, a photographer is seen taking the photos of the crime scene. That person is none other than Juan Picure Simon, the director. Which I like how all the trivia refers to him in like a first name Do you think basis. he wrote this trivia? I Probably. Yeah. Juan, if you're listening. <laughs> you're a dick. You're <laughs> yeah, dude, I can't believe you made that go You plagiarized you put that a in movie, movie, put the girl in a freezing <laughs> cold water, and then chainsawed one to piss herself. <laughs> And, like, menaced another one with an actual knife. Like, Jesus yeah. Christ. <laughs> Originally, there was supposed to be a love scene between Mary and Kendall, according to the director, but Linda Day declined. Nice. You go, Linda Day. Good so, for her. the scene with the two at the apartment, Kendall asks to come in, but Mary turns down his offer. Which is, like, oh. one of my favorite scenes in the That's whole fantastic. Movie. <laughs> Although it is revealed that Dean is the killer in the film, Edmund doesn't play the shadow character. It was a double who was dressed in the killer costume. The hands were actually of the directors, who stated he used to do insert shots like that because it was easier than wasting time and explanations to another person. <laughs> God, he's still a dick. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be my hands killing the women. Um, wow. Still not a Spanish accent. <laughs> uh, the body count is seven, counting the Dean's mother. And then finally, when Kendall gets ca- castrated at the end of the movie by a corpse, Sarah was dressed w- with a protection and held the hand with razors, so the actors... It only... Wait. Whoa, that's really poorly written trivia. When Kendall gets castrated <laughs> in, the end of, in the end by a corpse, Sarah was dressed with a protection... A protection... And the hand had razors to cut the actor's pants open. This was difficult, as the director stated, worrying about anyone getting hurt because the actor got a little cut in his groin. Oh, the guy got a cut in his dick, but then the women can go and jump in the freezing pool and get a chainsaw. Dude, no, a razor cut to your dick, that would hurt, like, I don't even have a penis. And, like, (laughs) that would be fucking I thought it was, like, his thigh. Oh, I don't know. I mean, it's in it's in his groin or his crotch. Like that's a if it was to his dick, I I take everything back. Uh, Regardless, it's still fucked up. All of this is fucked up. (laughs) Yeah, true. Sorry, I'm sorry, man. It's all fucked. fucked. I just I feel like I don't know if I can watch this movie again. I mean, I'm going to, but, like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. What a dick. Oh, I mean, it's man. still going to exist one way or the yeah, other. And it's, it's it a great movie. It's worth watching. It, it really is. Yeah. Just like, like, damn. Yeah, it wasn't even written by him. What else has he done? He, um, he's done, he was the writer of Slugs. Uh, oh, Slugs. I've seen the promo for that. That's terrible. <laughs> Extraterrestrial Visitors. He was the writer in 1983. He was the Rift writer. Uh, the R I F T. The Rift. Uh, Supersonic Man. Um, he uh, did he pass away? Yep, he died January eighth, two thousand eleven, at the age of seventy five. Huh. I lived a long, full life of 
tormenting actors. Yeah. <laughs> plagiarizing screenplays. Amazing. Yeah. Fucking incredible. Who knew? Pieces. Yeah, man. He, exactly some of his is. personal quotes are, Violence, blood, and gore don't shock me. You see more of it on any daily newscast than in most films. Uh, I am an admit fan of fantasy, thriller, and horror films. They are great, purgative, and one of the most visual or cinematographic, cinema, cinematographic. Why am I in school? Uh, of all the genres, I know I've worked in a manner and with a genre that critics do not appreciate much. Yeah, no shit, Dick. I've worked in a manner you can't. Oh my uh, god. Uh, I don't say any anyone who says I'm going to make a bad movie. I don't know anyone who says I'm going to make a bad movie, nor do I know anyone who says I'm going to make a work of art and makes it. (laughs) Good for you, bud. But what I love is the fact that he, like, is still insisting that he earnestly attempted to make a good film. Like, he wouldn't set out to make a giant, bizarre pile of weird shit. But if it wasn't earnest, it wouldn't be that... It wouldn't be as good as it is. Exactly. But, like, I mean, it just, like, kind of hammers on the fact that, like, a lot of this isn't tongue-in-cheek. It's just... No, it's like the room. It's people actually trying to make movies that they think are good, and then they just... And that's where the humor comes from. Laughing at people's failure. It's schadenfreude. Yeah. And it's just... Yeah, it's just wonderfully bizarre. (laughs) Well, it is a work of art. Thanks, Juan. Abusive uh, directing tactics are not, you know. Suffering for your art and all of that, right? Great movie. Maybe he was method. Maybe he did everything with, like, he was like, I'll do it too with you. And (laughs) uh, yeah, do we have any more? Do we have have any more things to say about pieces? Watch it if you haven't. I don't know how you've made it this far without seeing it, but watch it. And then watch it again, and then show it to everyone you know. Yeah, we should add it, um, the film into a music video for Britney Spears' "Piece of Me." <laughs> yes. Which one was "Piece of Me"? It was on Blackout. Oh, jeez, this is like late stage Britney. It's a good know. one. I can play it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he had it ready. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Okay, we should definitely make a fan video, yeah, like fan music yeah. video. Oh, I, remember this I feel like this would be the ballad of the the loud sex girl in the bed. Yeah. She would she would jam out to this. Um, Such a good girl now. She gets to be a bad girl. <laughs> yeah. And she talks about them still putting pictures of her derriere in the magazines. Oh mm. goodness. Yeah, you. She seems like she's a good mom. <laughs> she actually does. Like, I keep seeing her Twitter posts and stuff where she's like, my son's so talented, he drew me this picture. And it's cute. She, like, has Pokemon theme parties for them, and it's like, my son's a Pokemon, man, I'm a proud mom. <laughs> I didn't even know she had kids, to be honest. I'm so out of <laughs> touch with too. what's happening. She with K-Fed. I really I have feel... no idea who that is. And a lot... I'm going to feel Come really strange line. being like... Wasn't he a Backstreet Boy or something? No, he's a backup dancer. Oh, okay. What was the line from a... A scary movie where it was like she got with a backup dancer. She doesn't respect herself. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's so disrespectful to dancers. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm just quoting it. I'm so angry. I'm so. 
they're like usually more talented than the person doing the singing yeah that's true when it comes to dancing that's at least true. like they're like professional dancers like sorry i'm very upset as you can tell by <laughs> disrespect for dancers in this fucking community well, um such unwelcome news <laughs> what's that you and Brittany, y'all are on the same page yeah, yeah. she respects them she respected him so much cool she popped out two kids good for her all right anyway yeah so that pieces. concludes pieces i guess and yeah see you next week uh, next movie we're gonna do do we wanna do Suspiria or The Conjuring 2 oh god that's maybe if someone would comment and fucking say something say something <laughs> talk, talk to us please I know do we need to get a Wii board or sorry a Ouija board for people to like we can commune with our listeners <laughs> Yeah. Oh, uh, we'll just get Juan from Direct Direct to Pieces like commenting on our like That would be amazing. Yeah. Juan, from if you're listening from Beyond the Grave, yeah, please leave a comment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I guess we'll do either one of those because I you know we want to do The Conjuring too. I do just because it's so fucking awful. Oh god, <laughs> it's great. <laughs> hot horror dad strikes again. Oh yeah. <sighs> All right. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs> And thus concludes the last episode of our Let's Get Creepy podcast. Um, once again, if you have any suggestions or would like to hear more episodes, please comment or let us know in some capacity. Like I said, we're a little bit spread out all over the globe right now, but we are dedicated to our listeners. And me and my three glasses of wine, thank you for listening to this episode. So um, like or comment or let me know that I'm paying this $15 SoundCloud fee for a reason. Um, and thanks for listening. Bye.